Welcome to podcast number 20. Today, Drake and I are sitting down asking some of his most asked questions. Little FAQ session. So hopefully you guys will enjoy. All right. Welcome back to The Hunting Photographer. Uh, Steve Drake here with Zach Bowden. Yes, sir. And um, today we're just going to rip through some of the most frequently asked questions that we get. And I'm, I'm often answering these on a daily basis on Instagram, and I, I know Zach is too. And so, um, so yeah, we're just going to gonna dive in. And um, I, I think a lot of these, like a lot of people obviously have these, but there's, there's just a lot of value to be um, taken from probably our responses, I hope. So, um, all right, Zach, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to read the question. I'll have you respond, and then I'll respond, and yeah. then I'll jump on to the next question. So. All right, so the first question is, I'm new to photography. What's a great starter camera? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Uh, you got to kind of like get into the game. I think the easiest way to answer that is like your cell phone. Yeah. Uh, you can definitely develop your eye long before you make a camera purchase just by using the camera in your phone. And there's some cool apps that give you a little bit more flexibility uh, to use your camera phone in different ways. And then Lyle Hebel has, uh, he had some of those little mounts, the little lenses you can mount on the back of your iPhone. Those are actually pretty gangster. Dude, I've played around with those as well. They're pretty rad. So you could buy a new case for your phone and some of these lenses, utilize your iPhone and have a pretty gangster little camera set up to shoot both photo and video and like you could literally use that to shoot enough photos to go get work totally (laughs) so i mean that's what my answer would be there's also some nice point and shoots i don't know models off the top of my head in that like 500 to thousand dollar range that are gonna let you get some pretty solid imagery but no I, i agree completely on the iphone thing i mean honestly a lot of the branded stuff or like a lot of the photos and videos that I shoot for brands actually comes from my iPhone. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how much they use from my iPhone. It yeah. just cracks me up because it's a little tiny thing that fits in my pocket. Yeah. But, and that's the beauty of an iPhone is it's small and it fits in your pocket and it's just instantly accessible. And so yeah. that is arguably the best camera out there is one that's instantly accessible. And so, um, but if, if you are looking to kind of dabble in the, um, the DSLR or kind of little higher end point and shoot world. Um, I recommend the Sony a 6,000. Yeah. You can get the a 6,000 with like a 20 mil prime lens for like 500 bucks. Yeah. Um, and there it's an amazing camera and it honestly, it, it's almost identical as far as how, how it functions to some of the higher level Sony's. Um, mm. so yeah, iPhone first or smartphone. And then if you trying to dabble more into the interchangeable lenses that a 6,000 is a, yeah. is a pretty rad camera. Solid. All right, second question. What iPhone are you running right now? I've just I've got the iPhone 10. Oh. Yeah. I'm still running the 8. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I mean before this I had an iPhone 6. Yeah. And even it got the photos actually weren't that great but the video quality was awesome. Yeah. And now it, this thing's like shooting 4K video and it's pretty wild, man. Yeah, if you got some interchangeable lenses and then had a phone scope case, you film like an entire Diakim in the whole hunt. Super Literally. easy. I kind of want to do that someday is just to prove a point is go on a hunt and just take like two iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> One is backup because I'll probably drop it in the 
lake or something. But yeah. <laughs> um, second question: If you could only have one lens, what would you choose? Uh, I'd probably shoot like a, I'd say fifty millimeter prime, or a thirty-five millimeter prime. Cool. Uh, just because it's lightweight and easy, and the image quality is like, it's pretty tough, much tough to beat. Yeah. Not super expensive lenses either. Yeah, totally. I mean, those fifties are yeah. like three hundred bucks, and yeah, like new, you could probably find a used one for like hundred bucks, yeah. hundred fifty bucks on eBay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those, those low aperture lenses—they obviously you don't want to shoot everything at the lowest aperture you can, but they they do provide a really unique look and allow mm-hmm. you to shoot in conditions and time times a day that you normally wouldn't be able to. And so, yeah, I love those little primes. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd say the biggest pitfall when people use primes is is that they want to like shoot it at the lowest aperture, yeah. like wide open at one point four, one point eight, and like it's usually a bad decision. It needs to be a con- it should always be like a conscious decision that like you cranked it down yeah. to one point eight or one point four or whatever it is for a specific shot. Yeah. Like don't just rally around with your camera set that way. Yeah, unless you're like really on top of it. And, like, understand every other aspect of the photos you're shooting and, like, can make it work. Yeah. But I see a lot of younger photographers just crank it wide open because, like, they think it looks cool. Yeah. You know, their photos look, oh, shallow dip the field. <laughs> and it's like, why? Like, yeah. this photo would have been way better shot at, like, F5.6 or, like, F8 yeah. or whatever. But Totally. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, I guess my answer on that is... Um, it it seems to vary, but usually the twenty four to seventy. If I could only have yeah. one for the rest of my life to capture everything that I shoot, which is primarily people doing wild, interesting things, like the twenty four mm-hmm. to seventy really captures like ninety percent of what I'm trying to get. Yeah, um, super versatile. It's kind of a bigger, chunkier lens, um, but yeah, it's a pretty rad rad one so uh uh follow-up question to that is what's your favorite lens Mm. boy why don't you go first i'll think about it (laughs) because you probably already know what your favorite is (laughs) no i was actually thinking on that too (laughs) i don't Um, think i have one favorite lens uh favorite lens man honestly man if i had to just pick one lens to like make great images with it definitely be like like a 70 to 200 or like my 80 to 400 or something on the longer side of things for sure yeah i just like that perspective because not a lot of people shoot it typically yeah just compresses space really like nicely um just gives you a look that your eye typically like isn't seeing yeah well you and i did a hunt this fall together and you brought it was a 400 uh i brought my 80 to 400 and then i rented that 115 14 yeah so so the the 100 to 400 like or 80 to 400 like very few people are bringing that out on a hunt and it's just like you got some really rad images it's just a different perspective that you just can't see with anything else and so changing it up is is pretty cool so um yeah i'm kind of on on the same lines i think 70 to 200 is probably my favorite lens um i a couple years ago i did like a breakdown of like of all the photos that I've sold, and it, it's it's a little bit gray because some of the stuff I do is retainer based, and so. Mm-hmm. But basically, I, I I determined that like 
70% of all the images that I've ever sold were taken with the 70 to 200. Yeah. And I think that's primarily just because it provides such a unique um, mm -hmm. look that you can't really get with anything else. And, yeah. and also taking a lens like that, getting some, you know, hunter in focus, animal out of focus, kind of that holy grail over the shoulder shot. Um, there's obviously a lot more you can do with that lens, but it's, yeah. it's pretty rad for sure. So, all right, next question. Uh, what's the biggest misconception about being a freelance photographer? Oh man, I think the biggest misconception is that, uh, it's, it's like you get to play all the time as a job. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's like what you'd be doing if you weren't working, but I think people don't realize the amount of work that goes into being a freelance photographer or freelance anything. Um, yeah, I think they just, they see the upside of it all the time on social media. And it's, I mean, it's an awesome profession. Like you and I both have slash are freelance photographers. Um, but they just don't see the back end work all the days. Like, basically like boarded up at your house, like working 14 hour days to catch up so that you can go do more cool stuff in the field. Um, I think that's kind of just generally a misconception. Totally. Yeah. I'm kind of on the same boat there. Like everybody thinks that when I'm home, I'm like, Oh, he's free. He's not doing anything. Or it's like the last it's uh what is it? March 3rd right now. And yeah. literally the last two months, I haven't really been on a photo assignment or a project per se. I've just been like, playing catch up and just jamming it on the computer, working on all these projects. Yeah. And like people on the outside or even some of my friends and family, they're just like, what are you doing? Like, you sure aren't doing much. And I'm just like, I'm working my tail off. Yeah. It's like, it's different though. When you're, when you're in the, when you're in the field, you know, you've spent all this time planning and pitching these trips. And once you're in the field, you're just doing it. Life's yeah. super simple. You're out there, you're shooting photos, videos, whatever you wake up, yeah. you shoot, you eat food. Like life's super simple when mm -hmm. you're out shooting. Yeah. But when you're back in, in cell service and internet service, you're just like in constant edit mode. You're pitching projects, trying to land new business, yeah. trying to renew contracts, like doing accounting. Right now it's tax season. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, boy. Yeah. So kind of, yeah, to reiterate what, what you said with um, there's a lot of work that goes into it. For yeah. Sure. It's yeah. fun. It's super fun. But I work. It's rewarding. A lot. Yeah. It's a lot of work. But it comes with a lot of benefits. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, how can I justify paying $2,000 for the hunting photographer? Uh, I mean, having been in the industry and like running my own business and, you know, getting jobs, I think $2,000 is like a crazy low amount for the amount of experience and the like kickstart you have if you want to start a career in the industry. I mean, you and I both just grinded it out and figured it out along the way. And I think, you know, if I looked back on what I did and had the ability to invest in the hunting photographer, like I'd be years ahead on like my progression curve of like getting to where I wanted to be. Like you can absolutely do it without the course. And some people are the right type of personalities where they'll figure it out really quick and others aren't. And I mean, to be successful in this business is really just a getting proficient with the camera and then being knowing the business side of it. And like the huge advantage to our course is that we 
teach you the entire business side of the profession and how to network and how to get jobs, how to pitch brands properly, correctly. Um, I mean, I think if you went through the course and took it seriously, you recoup like that money and like double, triple, quadruple it in like the first six months, you know, if you hit the ground running. Totally. If you have to build up your photography skill set as far as utilizing the camera, that'll be a little bit longer. But if you have a basic or like a, an, an intermediate comprehension of like using your camera and getting quality images and take the course, like you're getting jobs ASAP. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I just, if you're worried about recouping the investment, um, you probably are not motivated enough to make that a reality, Yeah, you know, or just haven't thought about the upside of the knowledge that you'll acquire and how it's going to make you money. Yeah. You know, it's an investment. Like if you were to go invest your money in anything else, you'd want it to like make a return, right. like pay you back. And this a hundred percent will pay you back if you go put the work in afterwards. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if your goal is to make a career out of it and try to make money selling your photos or, or your photography services, like, you know, if that is your goal and you take this course and you kind of follow the parameters that we've set, like you will, I mean, like you say, you should be able to recoup that cost within six months. No problem. And, and think of it too. I mean, like 2000 bucks, like, gosh, you, you could sell four photos for $500 each. Mm -hmm which is a very attainable thing. Yeah. And like, and my thought on this is like, and like a lot of our, a lot of the students are, are taking this course and they're hitting the ground running. Yeah. And like, I don't know what they're making, but like, I would think someone new coming into this space that if they had photography experience, like if they knew what they were doing with a the camera, they took this course, they built the connections, they started landing jobs, like, gosh, they can make 30 grand, no problem first year. Oh yeah. I really, I really honestly think that Absolutely. I mean, that's a very attainable thing. And you spent two grand to kind of propel yourself into that. And, you know, between Zach and I, we've got 20 plus years of photography experience. And yep. like you say, like you and I just kind of waded through it, didn't really know yeah. what we were doing and kind of just had to. Yeah. There was no model when we started. There was no model. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we can articulate it, but <clears throat> you know, another aspect of like, well, why is it worth it? I mean, reach out to Drake and myself and, you know, we're happy to answer questions. And, you know, beyond that, though, I'd say talk to the students that have been through the course and ask them if it was worth it. You know, I mean, we have a ton of like students that are stoked, like their life has been altered pretty drastically <laughs> after going through the course. Um, and we're happy to like put you in touch with those people you know if you're on the fence about like should i do it or not you know put you in touch with some of the students and ask them you know and i'm sure that i mean i don't know a student that would not recommend the course you know as of today you know they're all gonna rave about it so um that's obviously like awesome for us you know because that means that we are giving the students value and like created something that like helped other people out. So like, that's awesome. Totally. So. Totally. All right. Next question. Should I give my work away for free? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a few limited instances where maybe it makes sense. Um, 
but I think just in general, you shouldn't give your work away for free. Uh, it just sets kind of a bad precedence or creates a, a perception about the value of your work, you know, with the individuals that you're working with or other people. Uh, and the industry is pretty small. So, you know, there definitely were some times where we, when, when myself and my brother Travis started that we did give some stuff away for free, but I regretted it. Like if I could go back, I wouldn't, you know, a lot of it's kind of that fear of like, Oh, I'm getting started. And like, this is an opportunity where like, I should have asked for money. And like nine times out of 10, I would have been paid that, you know, and the one time out of 10 where they would have been like, no, we're not going to pay it for you. Like, it wouldn't have been like, we'll never work with you again. It would have just been like, eh, yeah, we're not going to pay for that, you know? And like, let's just, our lives go on. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'd say no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mostly agree with that. The, the, the one thing is like, if you are really new to it and you mm-hmm. know, a company's kind of testing the waters with you, like, like you're not a proven entity yet that's an opportunity to be like, Hey guys, like I'll do this project, like pro bono free, whatever. But if like moving forward, like this is my rate, you know, like this first one I'll do it for free just so I can get my foot in the door just to, to prove that I am of value to you. And then after that, it's like you, you tell them right out right away. Like here's, here's what my rate is so that it's a, yeah. it's basically managing everyone's expectations. So, so, so they're not under a misunderstanding that you're just there to do work for free and so that you're under the understanding that like, Hey, yeah. like this is just me getting my foot in the door. But like, if, if you start off and you're just like, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, you guys can just like have this stuff. And if that's how you start it without like any talk of like uh, financial transaction, like it, it's going to be pretty hard to like mm-hmm. get up and above that. Yeah. I think you just have to really articulate that. Like this is a one-time deal to establish a relationship and like f- make sure you feel them out to feel like good that this is actually going to like progress if you deliver on job one, Yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair as long as it's not like a huge project. Right. I mean, I would do something pretty small. Yeah. Like you're going to have to invest and eat some cost. And that's pretty like standard, I guess in a lot of businesses to eat some cost up front or like, you know, to get business, but yeah, you gotta be pretty clear that like I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think most of the time if you approach it right, you probably get paid off the bat is all. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's one other instance where I've, I've done some work for free with, with some brands that I already work with. Where it's like, I've already signed a deal or I'm doing all these things. And they're, they're like, oh, hey, like, can you do this one other thing? Mm-hmm. And then, like, just out of just kindness, I guess, you know, they'll often ask me. They'll often tell me to invoice them. And I won't even invoice them. I'm just like, you know yeah. what, guys, don't worry about it. Like, you're, you know, we already have a, a really great working relationship. I'm happy to just throw this extra thing. And that, that's like one instance. Yeah. But you're, I'm already established. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I'd agree with that too. If you have a relationship with them and you have a contract or something and there's something outside the realm of that contract, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I think it's fair to like hook them up. Yeah. That's totally. just like relationship, totally. you know, like management. <laughs> so, and we talk a lot about relationship management as far as like, I mean, that's arguably one of the 
the more important things in becoming yeah. a freelance photographer or really in any space, any workspace you are in, like you've got to really perfect your business relationship skills and people, yeah. people management skills, like all those things. Just, just, uh, just having really good people skills is, yeah. is insanely important. That's just being a human too. Totally. I mean, it's like, <laughs> Are you, you are you willing to buy your buddy's Taco Bell and not ask them for, you know, to Venmo you? You right. know, like, if so, you'll probably be all right in business because, <laughs> like, that stuff goes a long ways. <laughs> but don't do a whole week-long photo shoot hunt f- for free. Yeah, straight off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next question. Kind of along the similar lines. Um, so when working for a brand, should I take payment in the form of product? I mean, the way I've answered this is that if it was a product that I felt was going to open the door to a much larger opportunity to work with the brand and make considerable amounts of money, that would be a viable like option to say yes to that. Or if it's a product that I really just like want and I'm going to purchase regardless and I think that it's a fair trade to exchange my services for their product, then I'd say yes to both of those. Yep. Um, but you can't pay bills with, you know, hunting clothes or boots or packs or any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to do this full time, you got to pay the bills. Yep. So it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of always the, the what if scenario, you know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you kind of got to bet it out, I guess. But yeah. So I guess for me, like if a brand is, you know, say you're, say you're doing a, a three day photo shoot and, um, the brand's like, okay, yeah, we're going to, we're going to give you all the products so that you can do this photo shoot and you can keep all the product. It's like, well, that's fine and dandy, but you have to have the product to shoot the photos anyway. So it's like, like yeah. to me, you should never take product, like in, unless it's getting your foot in the door, kind of like mm-hmm. the previous question. Like, like I need the product in order to take photos of your product. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, product is a requirement for you to actually shoot photos for them. Yeah. So based on that, it's like, yeah, I should still be paid on top of this. Yeah. But for again, sure. there's different what if scenarios. So, but, well, cool. Well, that is, uh, that is, let's see seven different kind of FAQ questions that I know you and I both get. And uh, I know we get a lot more and we're going to, we're going to post to our Instagram um, just kind of reaching out to the IG community to try to field some, some additional questions and we'll we'll do some more kind of rapid fire round podcasts in the future. But uh, yeah, that's a wrap um, for this one. And uh, yeah, uh, like like Zach said earlier, if, if you got any questions on the course, or anything like reach out to us directly like, yeah both zach and i are a total open book and willing to help people and um do everything we can to um get you down the right the right path so yeah i mean we'll answer any of your questions and we want to make sure it's a good fit um you know that was one of the reasons why we started off with an application process you know with the course and that only makes sense for so long but you know we want people to do it that you know, fit the bill for like 
you know, the education that we provide. Yep. I mean, I guess if you want to just drop two grand because you think hunting photography is cool, but never have any real chance of <laughs> pursuing it because you're just not a type of person, then go for it. But, you know, usually we try to give good, honest feedback of like, is this a good fit for you or not? And like, yep. can talk you through it. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just stay tuned. We're, we're going to do a little bit better job here in 2020 of um, doing podcasts on the reg. And, um, yeah, like Drake said, we'll be posting up on the Instagram page, which is at the hunting photog, um, some Q and a stuff that we'll answer in future podcasts. So we'll be looking for that. Cool. All right. That's a wrap.